0: Need a high end designer or a lot of
1: money to get a luxe look, be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman.
0: Hi, everyone. I am joined again this week by Paulina Dupin. She is a designer at Affordable Interior Design by Uploft. And if you are just joining, we are doing a three part series on the interior design business, how to break in what the realities look like, what are the highs, what are the lows, do you need to go to school. We're covering all the bases and answering all of your questions, and you won't want to miss part one. So if you missed last week, go back and check that out first because Paulina introduces herself. She tells you about her background, which is so extensive, and we have so many questions that we're just going to dive straight into the mailbag without that intro. So if you missed it, head back to part one. Let's dive in to part two. Welcome back, Paulina. Hi, Betsy. Thanks for having me over again. <laughs> Good to see you all. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's kick it off with our first question that comes from Brooklyn. Frances is writing and she has a question. When designing for a whole apartment, what tips would you have to make sure that all the rooms are distinct enough and yet still cohesive? Paulina, you got this one.
1: Sure. So, Francis, <laughs> first, I always make sure that the whole apartment has the same aesthetic. So I don't design my bedroom in mid-century modern style and then my living room in traditional style because your whole space will feel disjoint. So first, I think you have to commit to a style, whatever it might be, whatever your aesthetic is. If it's eclectic or contemporary, just commit to one style. The next step that you could do to make sure that all rooms flow together, Um, so this is a little thing that I do, Uh, I repeat colors. So if I use certain colors in the living room, maybe I'll bring a little bit of that color into my family room that's adjacent to the living room. So I can have a completely different color palette. But if I will just bring a little bit of that yellow that I'm using in the living room, that can kind of marry the two spaces together. Um, I, so colors are usually the way I work with rooms and have them flow together. And the same style.
0: Well, and it is so funny because Paulina and I, even though we work at the same firm for seven years and she has an extensive background before and I have a background before, we are different artists. So I have a different philosophy, Paulina. Uh, I feel like the rooms can be a different style as long as they don't open into each other. So Paulina was talking about like rooms that are adjacent to each other, that open into each other, like say a living room, a dining room and a family room. If you can flow through all of them without having to open a door, if I can clearly see the other rooms when I'm standing in the living room, then I do feel they need to be the same style, or else it might feel very disjointed. But for the bedroom upstairs, go crazy. Like go to a totally different world, like manifest a different style that maybe you've always wanted to try. I know I did that in my house. I, when I moved in this house six years ago, considered myself relatively mid-century modern, uh, mixed with like kind of a comfortable aesthetic. I wasn't very literal with the style. I summed myself up in a different two-word phrase. As you guys know, I like to use the two-word phrase. Um, But in my bedroom, I wanted traditional, which is so not me. It's, It's not what I've ever thought about. I just wanted a softer vibe. I wanted something that felt more feminine, more serene. I didn't want the color pops. I didn't want the geometric lines. I wanted like curves, soft edges, vintage Persian rug. I just wanted to go in a different direction and express another side of myself. And because it's so far away from those open living dining spaces, I felt like I could totally do that. Then of course my son wants like Star Wars, Ultra, whatever. And I just go completely contemporary in his room and adapt to what he likes. So I do think rooms that have a door, rooms that are separate from each other, do not need to share the same style and do not necessarily need to be cohesive with the rest of the space or even the architecture of the space. That might be controversial, but I just like to design in a lot of different styles, probably not. just I just like to. Uh, don't tell me my bedroom can't be traditional in my new
1: house. Well, at the end of the day, your room can be whatever they want it to be. Um, So, yeah. But I do agree. If
0: you want that cohesive look, if you're worried as a designer, uh, when you're first starting out, that the looks you create won't be cohesive, it is easier to commit to one style. And I think you'll also have an easier time selling your client on one style. I know very few clients who want like a radically different style in the bedroom than they want in the living room than they want in the basement. Typically, they like a similar style, but they may want a different feeling word, a different vibe, right? Like this room, I want to feel playful and energetic. Downstairs, I want totally TV lounge. And then I make it cohesive with that color palette and the style. So I agree completely with Paulina and disagree a little bit with Paulina. Next question. Next question comes from Chan, all the way from Rochester, New York. How do you deal when a client becomes upset because the items you've sourced for them are out of stock or not what they expected?
1: (laughs) Well, if the items are out of stock, we can always source a new one, right? Um, So it's very hard because it's tricky. So if it is a piece that you have based your whole design on and it becomes unavailable, uh, that is going to be tough. That will be tough. Um, But if it is just a piece that um, is an accent piece or maybe a lamp or a side table, um, you can always find a new one. Maybe find a couple options that could be similar to what you have originally sourced um if they don't like the what was it the quality uh not quite what they expected so i'm not not sure what, sure, what they're expected i would just have a discussion with them like what are their expectations um what are they expecting if you haven't had this discussion with them which you probably should have already um but what they don't like about the item what is it that triggers them. Why it's not perfect. And then when you get all of those questions, maybe you can find this item together. Maybe you can show them some options that you think that would work and align with their aesthetic or expectations. Um, So work with your client, find it together. And on that
0: point, you know, you can collaborate and look together. Or you can say, why don't you show me a couple things that more align with your style? Don't worry about budget. Don't worry about availability. I will find something similar or I'll interpret what you show me. But I think I'm really not understanding what you're wanting. I think I'm not understanding sort of the look that you're going for. So why don't you show me? Don't take too much time because, again, they're hiring you to search. So I'm not asking them to find the be-all, end-all. I'm just asking them to show me what they mean, because when people use words, words mean so many different things to different people, especially if you come from a different culture, especially, I mean, you don't even have to come from a different culture. And, you know, I was working with a client the other day. Actually, this is also my neighbor next door. My neighbor (laughs) next door thinks that their house is blue. Their house is green. They're like, oh, we just love this blue paint. Oh, you know, we think we want to replicate this blue. And I'm like, your house is green. I, I you know so people even in the same neighborhood use different words for different things, um, and different words for the same things. And their house is green. So anyway, <laughs> uh, my suggestion, Tan, would be to either collaborate and search together, or have them show you. And then when an item is out of stock, oh, my gosh, I just had this yesterday. Uh, I found this perfect entry cabinet for this bachelor client of mine in Manhattan. It had just enough storage for shoes. It looked just masculine enough. I mean, not that it has to look masculine or feminine. I really hate those gender normative ideas. But I wanted this to set just the right tone when you walked in. I wanted it to feel like his space. And I found this perfect piece that had a ton of character from CB2. And of course, during the presentation yesterday, it says not available to ship within 300 miles. So it does exist, it's just on their website and not available to ship for 300 miles. So now I have to find a totally new piece and I was in love, I was in love. So it can be rather disheartening, but it can also be an opportunity to find something even better. Uh, But the problem is you found that piece you love so much and you've advocated for it with your client and now they love it too. So, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. We'll cross that bridge. It's a journey. It's one of the challenges of our industry for sure. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today.
1: Pauline, you've got our next question from Jim. Next question is from Jim in Miami, Florida. Uh, When designing for clients... I love to push the color boundary. I often find the best way to do this is by adding a bright paint in the room. Knowing that I love to go a bit far with color, are there any colors of paint you would stay away? Uh, is it different depending on the room? Ooh. That's good. That's that's good. A good one. Yeah, that's a really good one.
0: What so, colors do you avoid, Paulina, like when you're selecting paint for clients?
1: Um, I definitely avoid red. <laughs> That's a strong one for me. Um, I mean, fun fact about me, I have um, I have a slight aversion to red. I do not use red at all as a color in interiors unless you ask me. <laughs> Why? Why? Um, it's, it's a thing. It's like a thing. <laughs> I can wear it. I love red lipstick. Um, I could go for a red nail, but I don't use it in interiors. Uh, I just there's something about it. It's um, it's actually it has a name when you have an aversion to red. But um, it's what a is very it I don't remember. But it, there's a thing. Really? I know I'm not gonna get into it because I don't want to <laughs> go crazy with myself. You know. But can <laughs> oh, look that up now. I want to look that up. Yeah, but it's um, I think. It's a it's a very strong color in general. So colors have there is color theory for a reason. Right. So colors um, will project different emotions. Right. And red is associated not only with it's not only a color of love and passion, but it's also a color of alertness. Um, So it's a very, very strong color to use um, on the wall, maybe in an accent piece, right? It could be really nice, a bright, fun pop, uh, energizing pop of color in the room, but as Wall paint, it could be quite overwhelming. Um, also, depending if you're an anxious person, it will make you more anxious. If you have children that are very hyper, they will be even more hyper in that red room. <laughs> so so it depends on your lifestyle. Uh, if you're um, not a very energetic person, maybe the red wall is for you. But um, <clears throat> that's the color that I definitely avoid, especially on walls. Um, I would also avoid green um in many cases um like a very well there's also lots of shades of green right um maybe if it's something very light like a sage that could look nice in a certain space maybe in a kitchen right um but um maybe it's not a good idea in a bedroom (laughs) when um i think if anybody wrote uh, read betsy's book (laughs) betsy will share the same opinion in green uh it make can make you look a little bit um washed out (laughs) so it's not the best color to use especially in your bedroom um other than that maybe like a brown would be hard or black those two would be hard to use um not a very fun pop of color a brown (laughs) wall
0: It was so funny. My daughter, I was, for our tuck-in, you know, I'm trying to get her excited to move to our new house. I'm trying to, you know, get her jazzed to leave her friends and leave her school and leave everything she's known. And so the reason that I mentioned this is because I'm getting her jazzed by selecting wall paint with her at night. So at night we're selecting wall paint for our whole house. Cause a paint fan is just fun to look at as a kid. It's just fun to look at even if you don't understand what it's for, but she's nine, she understands what it's for and she pretends to be the designer and I Mm. pretend to be the client. And um, you know, she tells me what's good and I tell her what I like. And I find as I'm talking to her that I don't like any colors that are too dark. So I think I could like almost any color in its pale form. Uh, I could even like a red if it's a blush, right? Mm. That's its pale form. I could love a sun yellow if it's like a light lemon. Mm-hmm. But it must be very pale. So even the most extreme colors like black, which Paulina mentioned, I love as gray and would steer clear of as black unless I was trying to make some kind of very Clear statement. I think it's hard to create a livable room that you can have lots of different emotions in when the color is too saturated. When it's so dark, it dominates how you feel. And that can be really fun in like a den when you want to feel moody, when you want to feel like immersed in a book with a cigar. I'm just trying to imagine why I would want like a chocolate brown room. Uh, <laughs> I think I smoked one cigar in my life and did not enjoy it. But that's what I think I would do in a chocolate brown room, right?
1: I'd read like <laughs> Moby Dick, and smoke a cigar and drink whiskey. But like a dark navy, it's a completely different story. I totally. love a dark huh. navy. Room.
0: I think also it would dominate my feelings. And one thing I discovered, even though this isn't exclusively wall paint, is when I moved into this house, it had this very clear stained glass that was red, yellow, and green. And those are not colors I tend to prefer but you know, the stained glass was so prominent. When you flip a switch, it lights up and fills the whole room with color. I was like, I can't ignore this thing and I'm not going to rip it out because it really is gorgeous. So I designed the whole room, the living room and the adjacent dining room in red, yellow, and green. That was my color palette. It is also the color palette of a stoplight. (laughs) And then I wonder why I'm in there having a hard time relaxing I wonder why I'm in there and my kids are bouncing off the walls. And it only occurred to me actually during a conversation with a fellow designer, Jeannie. I don't remember when we were talking a few years ago. And we were talking about color. We were just, you know, shooting the, talking about interior design. And she's like, well, I avoid these colors because, you know, they just really make you so excited and everything like that. Oh, you know what it was? We were talking with that paint consultant, Tony from Benjamin Moore. Uh And a light went off in my head. I was like, oh my gosh, I am having trouble relaxing in my living room because it is the color of a freaking stoplight. It is red, yellow, green, and it is really impacting how I feel in here. So I'm so excited for my next move because I will make different choices. The problem with paint, Jim, is that you don't want to have to repaint for seven to 10 years. And so the decision you make, you need to live with and your clients need to live with. And it's expensive. And you're saying, paint's not expensive, Betsy. It's $60 a can. It's expensive to paint it in terms of labor. Whether it's your own labor and time or whether you're paying someone to do it for you, it adds up. And again, you need that seven to tier, 10 year longevity. So when I want to make an interesting statement, I'll do so with art, with drapes, with a rug, with pillows, something I can change out on my own versus something I have to call a whole crew in. And, you know, tarp off the room. That's why I tend to stay with the lighter shades, much to my daughter's chagrin. She's like, Mom, you're no fun as a client. I want you to pick the dark red, the dark purple. Um, But that is why I tend to go with those lighter shades is because I can change my personality. I can change how I want to feel in this room if the tone is light. If the tone is dark, that room is going to dominate me till the day I repaint. That's how I feel. You know. Uh, Let's move to our next question from Rachel. Rachel is writing from Connecticut, where I am moving. Rachel, I will be your neighbor so soon. Rachel writes, what does day-to-day life look like as a designer? How many hours do you work? What types of tasks do you do? I'm trying to decide if the industry is for me. And Paulina is really the person to ask because she's had so many jobs in this industry that have so many different types of tasks and potentially commands on her day. So Paulina, if you want to share a couple of the highlights or, you know, sort of the jobs that come to
1: mind. Um, so that will all depend on what kind of interiors are you doing and where are you working. So um, if you work in, um, you could be an um, in-store designer, um, that your day-to-day will look differently than a day-to-day of an independent contractor um, and somebody who works for a large firm. So I can only speak to for myself Uh, right now. My day to day is that um, I work full time, but I my hours are flexible. So um, that's the most cherished part of my job. You know that I get to set my own hours, and if I. Don't get the chance to finish my project during the day. I can finish it at night. And it's quite often what it is. Um, So I do still work full time. It's a full 40 plus hour week for me. Um, But I do kind of set my own hours. Um, If you work for a retail store or um, a big company, you'll probably work nine to five, and then have a little homework. (laughs) So it just depends on where you work. And when you worked for that architecture firm, what were those tasks? What
0: were you actually doing every day?
1: Uh, So every day we work on different projects. There is always a bunch of projects happening at the same time. Um, at least four or five that everybody is working on. Um, So you're kind of jumping around between the projects. Um, We have a lot of meetings. It's it's a very collaborative um, industry. So one person is not making all of the decisions because three brains is much more than one brain. Um, so working for large companies, you actually get to bounce off of your ideas. So this is actually a very fun part of, you know, working for um, even a smaller firm. Um, so, yeah, so we basically come up with all sorts of fun ideas throughout the day. Um, what to do with this door? It's like, how are we going to finish it? What kind of tile we're going to pick for this bathroom? Uh, where are we going to put this toilet? Is this toilet even available to be put in there? <laughs> Right? Can we do the clawfoot tub? So um, there's always not only you. So if you're an interior designer working for a architectural firm, um, you will always be collaborating with an architect and um, structural engineer, because those are the people who are really, you know, they can make sure that all the stuff that you're picking, um, you know, will work and make sense, makes sense in the space. So working for, for a firm, um, you, you, know, you not only collaborate with other people, you're not the only person making the decisions, uh, but the projects, you're working on multiple projects at the same time, and they do take a little bit longer um, because you're going through the whole process, right? So it's usually bone to the pillow. <laughs> so a process mm-hmm. like that takes just a little bit longer. So you have to think half a year to a year for each project.
0: And now with your current workflow at Affordable Interior Design by Uploft, uh, you know, our projects take two weeks. And the exciting thing is that you kind of manage your own project as a designer. There's tons of creativity. You have to work really quickly, right? Because we meet the client. Two weeks later, we have that presentation ready for them. But there isn't that collaboration. So we kind of work somewhat in isolation because we have to work so quickly. And because we all work remotely, it's part of the beauty of the flexibility, But, you know, think about that also, Rachel, as you're opening your own thing, you may find that you want a community and you can join Facebook groups. I myself join like five Facebook groups. And if you're in those, excuse me, those similar Facebook groups, you'll see me popping in, answering people's questions and asking my own. So when you're running your own business. Or when you're working on your own projects independently, you may find that you want to reach out and there are those resources. But you want to decide. I think what Paulina said early on about flexibility is the right way to look at things. Because I worked as an intern, my hours were not flexible. Nine to five, Monday through Friday. I didn't have work when I got home. I could really shut off because also we didn't have the computers. We didn't have the robust software. Everything was at the office. Uh, in terms of the samples and things like that, nobody really carried that stuff home, but there was no flexibility. They had to be on site every day or they were at a client's job site. Uh, and I think the same thing with retail, right? You're not taking anything home. You don't have that homework. You're not burning the midnight oil like Paulina where she's working on a project and trying to get it all buttoned up before the presentation. But um, you know, then you're constrained by only using the products at the store. So if you're an in-store designer for West Elm or Paulina was a designer at a stone source company, you're not able to say... Let's use stone from another company. You need to sell your company's products in order to maximize your commission, in order to, you know, promote the business. And so there are creative restrictions. You can't just choose from anything in the whole world. You have to kind of promote the products where you're working and really stand behind them. And if I worked at a retailer, I think I might have problems with that because not every retailer does everything well. So I think certain stores do some things really well. Like I love West Elm's rugs and accessories. I do not like their sofas. If I had to day in, day out recommend sofas from West Elm as a designer for West Elm, I would have some trouble with that. Uh, So these are all things you want to think about when you're trying to decide what part of the industry is right for you, where you fit in. Uh, Definitely you want to check out our academy, Uploft Interior Design Academy. That's uploftinteriordesign.academy.com. Because in the very first module, we take a deep dive into the different types of designers and what the pros and cons are. As you've heard me say right now, there's always pros and cons. Paulina works late and she designs in somewhat isolation, right? If she can't figure out a rug, it's on her versus going back to the team and they say, Paulina, we've already picked the rug. Here you go. Uh, But she has that ultimate flexibility and she has ultimate creative freedom. Nobody's going to veto the rug she picked except for the client. So she really is project manager and creative lead. Whereas when you're on a
1: design team, that's not always the case. What do you think, Paulina? I agree. And even if you work for yourself, you can choose the way you work for yourself. Um, You can work just by yourself and you could also collaborate with your client. This is actually a decision that some designers make. And you can make that decision with your client and you can ask them how much they want to be involved in the designing process. Um, Usually the more involved they are, um, the more you charge. (laughs) (laughs) So that could also be a way, you know, of getting some sort of collaboration.
0: Well, I think that's really important to realize when you create your own thing, when you run your own business, you make your own rules. You decide how you want to work with clients, you decide what tasks you do day to day. But the best way to figure that out is to try some different things. You know, when I started, I started in renovations. Paulina did renovations for her clients, and I realized I hated renovations. There were so many permits, so many holdups. Managing contractors was like herding cats sometimes. Uh, Then we'd open a wall and we'd find six surprises and we'd have to reapply for permits with the building. I hated how slowly things moved and how many surprises came up. And I was like, I'm not doing renovations anymore. And because I had decided to branch off on my own at that time, I could make that choice. So just empower yourself if you choose to go your own way. Know that it's going to be a lot more work. You're going to have a heavy learning curve of, you know, running a successful business, marketing a business, creating invoices, creating that back-end structure. But you will have a lot of freedom, a freedom to make the call that you don't get in other atmospheres. So keep thinking, Rachel. Keep investigating. And write us if you have more questions. Guys, if you have questions for me, if you have questions for Paulina, please send them in. All you have to do is head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. You'll see a little button there that says submit a question to the podcast. It'll go right to us and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. Speaking of upcoming episodes, part three of Design Business Talk with Paulina is coming up next week. You won't want to miss it. We answer even more of your questions. And if you're curious about the Academy where Paulina and I both teach people who've always dreamed of being an interior designer, the ropes, how to start your own thing, run your own business, and the essential principles you need to know to be a good designer, you can head over to UploftInteriorDesignAcademy.com.